sometimes you got truth that you have to tell people that hurts them in the short run, but helps them in the long run. Five, seven, nine, eight, success forces, part seven, the success force of honesty. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. And today we're still in the midst of a series called Success Forces. There are forces that have a tendency to push and to move you towards success, and there are forces that have a tendency to push and move you towards failure. And just some of the success forces that we have covered, the success force of setting specific goals, the success force of daddy being at home, how to set goals for the life you actually want, the success force of good health, the success force of education and learning, And today, the success force of honesty. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning at verse 16. We've heard this many times. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, Feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now it's interesting that of these seven things that God says is an abomination that he hates, of the seven, two of them involve lying. A lying tongue and a false witness that speaketh lies. Now those are actually two different things. Because the false witness that speaketh lies, it really has to do with one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That was a command that actually dealt with court situations where you're actually testifying and you basically lie against your neighbor in a testimony. And do you know what the law said of God's law, that if you lied against your neighbor in testimony, that if they found out you were lying, whatever penalty that was coming for that, you bore it? For example, if somebody was up for murder and you knew they didn't commit the murder and you lied that they did the murder and they found out you lied, you got punished for the murder. In other words, they kill you. So whatever you lied about, the punishment for that thing came to you. So God was serious about this lying. And yet, lying is something that has been with us for a very, very long time. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 35, do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest scales and honest weights. This is a business thing for even back then, merchants were cheap folk. They would say you got a pound or something they knew you really didn't have but nine-tenths of a pound. That's why even when you go to pump your gas, you have to have a sticker that has been certified by the state because many of the gas stations would rig the pumps where it would not deliver you a full gallon, but it would charge you for a full gallon. So since the dawn of time, folk have been using dishonest weights. There was 
a story of a lady. She went into the butcher shop and she asked the butcher for a chicken. So the butcher looked in his chicken barrel. And he only had one chicken left. So he reached down and he pulled the chicken out of the barrel and put the chicken on the scale and said, this chicken weighs three quarters of a pound. The lady said, ah, that chicken's a little too small. Give me one a little bigger than that. Mm. So he took the chicken off the scale and he put it back in. He just rumbled around like he was getting another chicken. And he put the same chicken out and put it on the scale. This one weighs a pound. Lincoln said, hmm, okay, I'll take both of them. <laughs> so sometimes lying will just get you in trouble, but folk have been dishonest from the beginning. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Proverbs 21, 6 says, A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. This is even talking about your money. See, some folk will lie for money. They will steal for money. And that stuff never seems to stay. We've had several instances in Bronner Brothers. The biggest one, he was even in the newspaper, the lady stole over $3 million from us over a period of years. The insurance man said it's one of the most elaborate, sophisticated schemes. He said he'd never even seen anything like this. Folk can just put all kind of brain on how to do wrong. You know that? But the lady stole over $3 million from us over a period of years. So she was stealing generally in the neighborhood of about $30,000 a month. That's a whole lot of money. Now, the thing is this. When we caught the lady, fired the lady... The thing went into prosecution. When they went to arrest her, she was working as a cashier at a grocery store line. Every bit of that money was gone. All of the millions she had stole, every bit of that money was gone. We've had two other cases of people have stolen significant amounts of money. And in every case, bar none, when they folk are caught, they have none of the money left. Not only do they have none of the money left, they don't even have hardly any of the stuff that the money was bought that they could sell even get any money. And they're just in terrible condition. There's something about that slick money. The Bible says dishonest money dwindles away. It's something about it. You can't even hold on to it. That's why if you ever look at the folk who deal dope, when they catch them, they don't ever have a whole lot of money. All that money just blows away. It's something about it. You cannot hold on to it. Dishonest money dwindles away. And we've got to learn how to be just honest. There were four students, and they were supposed to take a test that day in class. It was a difficult test. So the four students showed up. After the test was over, and they told the teacher, we sorry we late, we sorry we missed the test, but we just had a flat tire. We were all riding together, we had a flat tire, we just missed this test. Teacher said, oh, no problem, that's fine, fine. I'll still give you the test, no problem. He said, oh, I'll still give you the test. <laughs> so what the teacher did, she said, I'm going to tell you this, I want you to sit in this corner, you to sit in this corner, you to sit in this corner, and you to sit in this corner. So she separated them into four corners of the room. She said, I'm going to give you the test, but it's not the same test I gave everybody. You're not going to have a one question on this test. You're only going to have one question, and if you get this question right, you will pass the test. All you have to answer is, which tire was flat? <laughs> Sometimes your dishonesty will come back on you. And we don't understand that you just have to have a real good memory when you lie. Did you know that the average person lies about 13 times a week, 13 times a week. Look at the person next to you. 
the average person lies about 13 times a week. There was an article in Psychology Today that said participants in a study, they said they lie about one and two-third times a day. But the researcher said, he said, that's just too low. He said he felt they were lying about that. <laughs> but what they found was half of the lies were told by 5% of the people in the study. So basically what you have is you got big liars and then you have little liars, just like you have big sinners and you have little sinners. Some of you all may know some big liars. I mean, they just lie and they lie about stuff there's not even a reason to lie about. You don't know folk like that? They just lie about stuff. And sometimes I wonder, I said, I don't even understand why they would lie about that because it's not even benefiting them. Why would they lie about a thing like that? And see, the thing about it is once you get into the habit of lying, it sears your conscience and it becomes a pattern. First of all, it gets to a point where you don't even realize you're lying. You do it so much, it's just a normal, you don't even realize you're lying. You just line up a storm. The folk know you line. You don't even realize you line because it has become such a habit with you. And our conscience just becomes hardened and seared to the lie. When they went back and they dealt through the psychology and they asked people, what's the biggest lie you've ever told? The vast majority of people went back to childhood. Wasn't an adult lie. That stuff a lie way back. You see, you've been lying a long time. Turn to the person and listen, you're an old liar. You're an old liar. You've been lying a long time. So when they actually did the psychological exam, they found that when they asked people about their biggest lies, they went back to their childhood. I can think of one lie, and I think of one theft. And they were all in my childhood. I remember I was in high school. I cheated on a math test. I remember it just as clear. It's the only test I've ever cheated on, but I cheated on that test. I was sitting in class next to the man who had the highest SAT in the school. I had the second highest, but he was much better in math. I was much better in verbal. And it was this hard test, and there was this one problem that was just beating me to death. And I couldn't figure out this problem. And there was something, for some reason, my head just eased over on his And I'm telling you the truth. My head just eased over on his paper. And I saw his answer and wrote his answer down. But there was something about that thing that convicted me. There was something about it. I knew this thing was not right. Even if it improved my score, it diminished something else. And see, that's the problem most of us don't understand. We'll look at something and say, well, I'm going to go up in this way. But you don't understand what it takes away from you is way more than what it adds to you. So it took my score up, but it took something else down. And there was something in my soul and my spirit that said, this is not right. And it bothered me and it bothered me. And I never cheated on another test from that again. The other time when I stole something. See, not only have you lied, you done stole. You stole. Look at the person that said, you're an old thief. You're an old thief. And I remember... I was a child, and there was a lady around the block. She sold candy. She was called the candy lady, but she sold candy. She didn't give candy away. She sold candy. So in order for you to get some candy, you had to have some money. And my father 
in his room, he always would put his change on the dresser, and he just had a ton of change on the dresser. He wasn't the neatest man in the world, so he would come in, empty out his pocket, so on his dresser was all of this change. And I never will forget going in there one day and looking around, and the candy lady had candy, and I didn't have any money, and I wanted some candy, and the candy lady had candy, and the candy lady was selling candy, and I didn't have any money, and I looked in there on my father's dresser, and all his money was there on his dresser, and he wasn't in there, and all his money was on his dresser, and I knew he hadn't counted it, because it was all strewn over everywhere. I knew he wouldn't miss it. If I got a dollar so I can get me some candy from the lady who sold candy, so I went right in, I got me a few quarters, got that money, and went and bought me some candy. <laughs> but that candy... Just like that grade didn't sit right. And there was something about it in my soul. I never told my daddy because he didn't miss the money. It wasn't but a dollar or so. See, sometimes the thing is not big in the natural, but it's big in the spiritual. And it's a big thing that you've never gotten resolved. And this is sometimes where many of us reach what's called a tipping point. And oftentimes the first time is the major tipping point. And the second major tipping point is the second time. See, the first time you do something, you struggle with it, and you know it's wrong, but you go ahead and do it anyway, and then you are convicted by that thing. And the second tipping point comes the second time. Because it's the second time that's going to tell whether your true spiritual training will kick in. And it will prevent you from doing the thing the second time because your soul, your conscience, the Holy Spirit has convicted you about the first time. But if you do it the second time, the third time's a whole lot easier. And then the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, before you know, you ain't even think nothing of it. It's like folk who are having extramarital affairs. If you've never had one, that first time is a real big barrier. But if you do it the first time and you're not convicted and you do it the second time, the third time's a lot easier. Then the fourth and the fifth. And finally, one man said, well, to be honest about it, if I use a condom, I ain't even touching them. <laughs> so see, your rationale as the spirit gets more and more cluttered changes. So integrity and honesty becomes a real issue with so many of us. And the studies show that 91% lie about trivial matters. 36% lie about important matters. 86% regularly lie to parents. 75% regularly lie to friends. 73% regularly lie to siblings. 69% regularly lie to spouses. Honesty becomes a challenge with all of us. And one of my sons came to me not too long ago. He said, Daddy, he said, is it wrong to tell a lie? Now, that's not an easy question because some lies are kind of situational. Let me give you an example. One man told me this. He said his wife came to him and asked him, do I look fat in these jeans? <laughs> now, you know, that is a question that sometimes folk will ask you. And he said, she asked him, do I look fat in these jeans? And do these jeans make me fat? So when she asked him, do these jeans make me fat? His answer was, no, the jeans don't make you fat. You're fat making you fat. <laughs> so now, see, it's situations like that where I got to admit that the absolute raw truth may not be the wisest path. And I've had instances of where a whole lot of the groups that I've been a part of 
I had become the lone voice in those groups when something wasn't going right. And I stood up and said essentially what, you know, Chris Rock had this line in his comedy routine. That ain't right. So a lot of times I've been faced with these situations when I'm in the group and I said, wait a minute, that ain't right. And time after time after time, I've had to speak stuff that was truth, that shocked folks. Sometimes it'll make folk mad with you, but I knew without question this was the absolute truth and what they were doing. It wasn't right. And I even had to ask God, I said, Lord, why you always got me in a situation where I got to be the lone voice, I got to speak the truth, folk going to get mad at me by speaking. He said, I made you a prophet, not a politician. And they're different. And basically, I would say analyze your truth or your distortions of what may be called alternative facts. We counted these three criteria. Number one, does this go against God's word? See, it's just like the wife who asked the husband, do these jeans make me look fat? Now, I would not have said, no, the jeans don't make you look fat, baby. You just fat. I would not have said that. So I would have answered based on that criteria. Number one, does this agree or disagree with the word of God? That's always your first and your primary litmus test of analyzing anything that you are about to do or say. That's number one. You can't ask about does this agree with what folk think about the world because the world changes all throughout history with all kind of stuff. Does this agree with the word of God? That's your first thing. So if in that situation, does it agree with the word of God? There ain't no word of God exactly about that. So you move to the second thing. Will this be detrimental to the person? And is there a better way for me to do this with minimal harm? And you have to ask, will this be detrimental to the person in the long run? Because, see, sometimes you got truth that you have to tell people that hurts them in the short run, but helps them in the long run. Because if you're lying to folk or smudging or covering stuff up for a long period of time, it's often detrimental to people. So there are times we had an awesome performance by the musical guest today, but there are just sometimes I've been placing folk just stank with singing. You know what I'm saying? The voice is horrible. And, Pastor, how did I sound? You're stuck! You can't say that. And the word of God doesn't exactly address that situation. So you'd have to say, oh, that was really moving. And it was. <laughs> so sometimes you got a phrase that is true. Yet that was really moving. It moved me all right like I'm fingernail going across a chalkboard. So first you ask, does this agree or disagree with the word of God? Will this be detrimental to the person in the long run? And number three, am I doing this for a selfish gain? Now, see, when you get through those three, if you can get a positive response on all three of those, you're generally going in the right direction. So even if sometimes there are some situational things where you just cannot deal with absolute raw truth. You remember Jack Nicholson was in this movie. I can't, some, you can't handle the truth. So there are some instances where people just can't handle the truth. That's why they kill all the prophets. And I said, Lord, this prophet thing is kind of rough because they kill all the prophets. So when you speak raw truth, you will run into some serious trouble. Either the government will kill you, business will kill you. So you have some real stuff when you speak raw truth and the truth is not what people want to hear. So you do have to learn to speak the truth with a certain amount of wisdom where it will get maximum benefit. But the honesty portion, that's not what I'm talking about when you know you just flat out lying. 
See, even in our business, he's given us several commands. The first command is everything must be financially viable. You got to do stuff that's going to make financial sense and going to make a profit. The second command is use no deception. Use no deception. Because in business, it is so easy to fudge and to lie trying to make a sale. In business, they do this all the time. But there's one thing that I have always seen, and that is corruption leads to destruction. In virtually every case, corruption leads to destruction. When you lie, when you cheat, when you're not honest, it can make you some money for a minute. But it's like Proverbs said, it goes through your hands so fast. It dissipates and disappears so quick. Corruption leads to destruction. Sooner or later, this thing going to become unprofitable. Sooner or later, it's going to cost you money. Sooner or later, the lies that you told are going to catch up with you. So that's the second command he gave us. Use no deception. To be honest, it's not easy. And it actually goes against the grain with so much of the modern stuff. Just trying to be honest, but it is the right thing to do. And when we are honest, it changes our world. In Jeremiah chapter 5, the New Living Translation, it says this, run up and down every street in Jerusalem, says the Lord. Look high and low. Search throughout the city. If you can find even one just and honest person, I will not destroy the city. That's deep. Go back and read Jeremiah 5. It's deep. God said, look, Go up and down. He said, you can just find one honest person. One honest person. I will not destroy the city. And he goes on to talk about, well, the people are poor. And he said, well, look among the leaders. And among the leaders, they still couldn't find any honest folks. It doesn't matter whether they were rich or poor. They were dishonest all the way through. So it makes a difference when you are honest. God will be highly pleased with you. A young lady was out in the Florida beach, land on the beach, and a little boy in swimming trunks came up to her carrying a towel. And he looked at her and he asked her, do you believe in God? And she was kind of shocked by the question, this little boy coming up to her on the beach asking her that, do you believe? And she said, well, yes, I do. Then he said, do you go to church every Sunday? And she was taken aback by that. She said, well, yes, I do. Then he asked, do you read your Bible and pray every day? And she said, this is mighty odd, this young little boy asking me all these questions. She said, well, yes, I do. I read my Bible and I pray every day. And then he breathed a sigh of relief. He reached in his pocket and he said, well, will you hold my quarter while I go swimming? <laughs> now, I want to ask you this question. Can God trust you with his dime? Can God trust you with his dime? Now, we can easily see the, what may appear to be the silliness of a little boy asking all of these questions before he would entrust the lady with his quarter. Can God trust you with his dime? Honesty is one of those success forces in life. And when you are honest, it builds and it changes your character. See, reputation is what people think you are. Character is what you really are. And sometimes they're not the same. Honesty is a part of character. It is a part of what you really are. Be honest. Cut down to 13. And some of you are going to have to wean off of that. And your children see what you do. When somebody calls a house and you to tell them I'm not home. That's a lie. <laughs> tell them I'm not home. Tell them I'm not here. So when your child hears you, instantly it registers in their mind, it's okay to lie. 
So don't let your children see you lying. So for those, if you're at that 13 times a week, work on cutting that down. Because sometimes you just can't stop cold turkey because you've been lying. Because some of y'all are real old liars. You've been lying a long time. You've just been lying a long time. But when you start recognizing it and realizing it and say, I am not going to lie from this day forward. And one may slip out. And sometimes you'll be like I was on that test where you're at a point where it really looks like you need to do this thing to get by. And it always looks like that. You feel like you're under the pressure. If I tell the truth, if I don't take this, if I'm honest with this, it's going to cost me all that. It looks like that. It always looks like that because the devil only shows you the immediate picture. God shows you the eternal picture. So when you're honest, that thing affects long term and it affects eternal. Be honest. It is one of the major success forces. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. You can go to brothersoftheword.com and yes, you can download and listen to all of the sermons absolutely free. There's no catch. You don't have to go there within the next 10 minutes. It's not valid for just the first 100 people who go there. It's honest. You can go to brothersoftheword.com, download over a thousand sermons absolutely free. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because brother, you need the word. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was part 7 of the series titled Success Forces, subtitled The Success Force of Honesty by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5798. That's 5798. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 5798 to a friend, go to BrothersOfTheWord.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the Word.